So if you are having uh, dieting issues or fitness problems, who do you call? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you. Um, if you have, uh, well, I don't call him right away. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, you know, you, those of you who have a media, you find your influencers or, yeah, trainer. Um, if you're struggling with surfing, you have surf issues or whatever, who do you call? Oh, you guys, I was going to say Trevor, but, um, right, relationship problems, who do you call? Okay, wow, I didn't know we're so transparent tonight. Thank you guys for sharing. So we know who Hannah calls. Um, but, but really, like, you know, when you, like, if I had a math problem, I'd call Dilly or something, you know, like, um, but when you have a sin and death problem, who do you call? Based upon who you call, it gives, it helps reveal, first, your view of that person, right? It tells you what, how, how you perceive that person, right? If I had to carry something super-duper heavy and ask Dylan, hey, Dylan, you can help me, it reveals that I view him as what? A strong brother, right? But tonight, Peter is faced with a death problem. And who does he call? Because he is the only one who has the power over this. That might sound very simple, but really think about that. And I love and I love and I love that Luke mentions he got on his knees and prayed to the Lord. We all have a sin problem and we all have a death problem. All of us in this room have an expiration on our life. It may come sooner than we think, right? We had a couple members in our church who just passed recently. I'm preparing for a funeral in June right now. A good friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, younger than I, was told he, he doesn't have much time to live. A few months, maybe. Death comes to us all. We need to know who to call and why call him? Why call Christ? Because if I have a problem and I call this person, the next question is, can that person really do anything? And can that person really be of help? Christ alone has the power over death, guys. That's what we're going to see tonight in Peter. We'll walk through this, though, and Lord willing, grab some other things from the text, but that is big, 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 big. Verse 36, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, which we know translated means gazelle, an emblem of beauty. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Can you just pause here for a bit on Tabitha? Joppa, now this is kind of cool. It's a city by the seaport um, connected to, close to Lida, where we, we saw last week, about 10 miles away. Sharon is that plains kind of connecting them along the coast. And Joppa is this, this seaport town. It's the same place when Jonah was asked to go, pre, go to Nineveh. He, he went to Joppa, hopped on a boat to run away from the Lord's calling. This is that place, all right? Now, what's, what's interesting is the place is, the name of the city is beautiful. Isn't that dope? So we see this beautiful city, and there is a disciple there. Now, let's understand this. Remember, remind ourselves, disciple is also a what? What is a disciple? What that Luke is talking about, talking about a what? A student, but more specific, 
a follower of Christ, right? Up until this point in the book of Acts, we should know this by now, that when you read disciple, it's a Christ follower. It's a Christian. Two chapters later in Acts chapter 11, it's going to say the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So when we read, okay, there in this beautiful city of Joppa, there is a disciple. There is a Christian, a true Christ follower, not just a Bible study attender, not just someone who feels this thing out or calls himself a follower of Christ, a true follower of Christ named Tabitha. We know her name, emblem of beauty. So in this beautiful city, <laughs> there's this beautiful woman. But let's see what's so beautiful about her. She was full, full, full. Say, Luke uses the same word when speaking of the seven in Acts chapter 6, that they were full of the Spirit, full of grace, full of faith full of wisdom. It's a, it's a word that it's, you're so full you overflow. That's the picture. Like you're so full you can't keep it in. That's a beautiful picture. Full of what? Good works and charity. Acts of charity. That's be good works. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. Ephesians 2.10, we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. Tabitha was not wasting her life, living selfishly. She was overflowing with good works. That's what Sherry was trying to break into, just trying to marvel at that. But not merely just good works. She just wasn't doing acts of kindness. She was doing a bunch of good deeds, but she did it with charity, with love, with compassion, with care. That word charity, it's, a, it's the word of someone that specifically does a good deed to the needy, to give alms. A person to be like that is moved by compassion. I love, I love, I love how Luke is portraying this woman to us. She didn't just do good stuff. She did it in love. She truly is a Christ follower, guys. Because who did she learn that from? Jesus Christ, the ultimate finished work. He did that good work in love. In love. He demonstrated his own love for us that while we were sinners, he died. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, remember this. He wasn't just, oh, finally, pow. Whew, done with this. No, he did it in love. He chose to love us. He chose to lay his life down. This is the spirit. This is what Tabitha is embodying. And she's spilling forth. We love because he first loved us. I love that Luke points out she did good works with charity, acts of charity. She loved in such a way that in verse 49, these widows stood beside weeping. You know when someone does good works for you? Just because they, they, oh, they got to, begrudgingly. And then you know when someone does good works in love, don't you? I believe these widows knew that. The garments they grasped was sewn in love. Galatians says, what matters is faith working through love. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, I can speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but if I have not love, 
I'm just making noise. Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge and faith to move mountains, but have not charity. Nothing. Nothing. If I give away all I have, deliver up my body to be burned. Sew as much garments as I can for the widows, but have not love. I gain nothing. That's not what Tabitha was. And I had to question my heart. I'm questioning my heart even this evening. I mean, it's all the good works that God has put in my mind to want to do. Do I do it in love? Is it acts of charity? Do I have a heart? Or is this just religious, pious stuff that we do good works to be seen? Did not our Lord warn the Pharisees, be careful of doing acts of righteousness just to be seen? I don't know, examine, examine. Tabitha truly was a Christian, and she is imitating our Lord Jesus Christ beautifully. I want to read something that Peter wrote, which I thought was really cool because Peter's the one who is doing the miracle here for Tabitha, but I like the language he uses when speaking of beauty. Tabitha in Joppa, this beautiful town, there was a beautiful woman But Tabitha had imperishable beauty, all right? Imperishable beauty. Women, young women, little girls, listen to this verse. Listen, because this is how you want to dress up, all right, girls? This is how you want to adorn yourselves. Men, young men, little boys, listen, because this is what you want to be drawn to in a woman. This is how you want to pray for your sisters and our moms and our grandmas. In 1 Peter 3, verse 2 to 5, Do not let your adorning be external. I wonder if Peter thought of Tabitha when he wrote these things. I don't know. The braiding of hair, the putting on of jewelry, gold jewelry, the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the, and I love this, imperishable beauty. You heard that, girls? You heard that, boys? All other beauty? It perishes. It perishes fast. This beauty is imperishable. A gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. This is how Tabitha adorned herself. Oh, that we have, we do have women in our church who are beautiful. Their beauty is imperishable beauty. Full of good works and acts of charity. You call yourself a Christian, a disciple. Has Christ so worked in your heart that what overflows out of you is good works in love when we serve one another. It's in charity. 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. Before we move on, just examine yourself. Do the good works we administer to others as it flow out of a love we've received from the Lord. That's what Tabitha was doing. That was her life. And it's beautiful. Tabitha had imperishable beauty, good works in love. Verse 37, and in those days, 
She, Tabitha, this beautiful Christian woman, became ill and died. Many of you already observed this in our observation time. She, this Christian, who is faithfully serving the Lord in love, she became ill and she died. The Christian life is not free from suffering. It's not free from sickness or death. In this life, contrary to maybe what other preachers teach, that if you follow Christ, you never get sick, you never get poor, you never suffer. This is big, guys. I'm so thankful that Luke mentions these specific things. And I'm so grateful that the Bible is not silent about suffering and sickness and pain and death. Why? Because so much of this life, right? So much of this life is stricken with suffering. We're a broken people living in a fallen world. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, you heavy laden. John sixteen thirty two to thirty three. In the world you'll have tribulation. Romans eight eighteen. I consider that the sufferings in this present time. Second Corinthians one. The God of all comfort will comfort you in all your affliction. Galatians six two. Bear one another's burdens. James five fourteen. Is any one of you sick? John eleven. Lazarus, whom the Lord loved, was ill. Philippians 2, Epaphroditus was ill. Timothy was ill. Tabitha was ill. Just be clear on this. To follow Christ, to be a Christian, to be a disciple, regardless of how much good works of charity you do, does not mean, does not mean you and I would not suffer sickness or death in this life. Why? Because we are sinners still in a broken, fallen world. This is the natural effect of the fall. But, but, it doesn't end there. The story does not stop. That's the point of this miracle. So we're going to read on. But just, it doesn't serve a church, it doesn't serve a people to not talk about the hard things in the Bible like She got sick and she died. What's up with that? Job was a righteous man and he suffered. What's up with that? God's not silent about these things, so we must not be. But we have this Christian hope because that's not how it ends. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Wear that golden chain, baby. Though your outer self is wasting away, that's not the end. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Let's keep reading. But I want us to make sure we see that clearly because I think in this room, I'm sure, some of us are either going through it or you know a brother or sister in Christ who is ill or has died. doesn't end there. He will wipe away every tear. 
and death shall be no more. There won't be no mourning, crying, pain. Let's read on, because it doesn't end there for the Christian. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Says Lita was near Joppa. That's noteworthy. These two towns were close to each other. The disciples, hearing, that's a big word I want to point out, hearing that Peter was there, okay? People in Joppa heard about Peter who was where? In Lida. They sent two men to him, urging him. This is the quickest form of messaging in these days, okay? They never had Zoom. They never had the kind text message. If they were to snail mail it, it might have taken a real long time. I don't know. But so the quickest way is just two brothers go now. Get on the road. Sent two men, urging him, please come to us without delay. Later in the upper room, we noticed that already, not in the tomb. Perhaps there was a thought process there. Maybe there's a glimmer of hope, a sense of faith. But why? Where did that faith come from? They heard Peter was there. Now, why would that matter? Why? What did they hear about Peter? Luke gives us enough details to kind of connect the dots. What did they hear about Peter? Look earlier. Remember Aeneas? Oh, you heard about Aeneas? Oh, yeah. What, a paralyzed guy, yeah? No, no, he's not paralyzed anymore. Huh? Yeah, dude, he's walking around. I saw him the other day down at Starbucks. You know, like, it's like, what? How'd that happen? So there's Apostle Peter. And you know what he did? He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. And Aeneas was healed. What? No way. Way. That's what happened. No way. Wait, he's in Lita, just right down there, 10 miles away? Yeah. I'm imagining that chain of heralding, just going through the coastline of Sharon, finally making its way to the house in Joppa where Tabitha was at. Now, this is interesting because... They had, they had to have heard that Peter was an apostle and that he brought the message of Christ and that this Aeneas, who everyone knew was paralyzed, now is not paralyzed anymore. But how did they hear? How'd they hear that? I guarantee someone in Lida did not just post something, throw it up on YouTube, and now everyone now knows in Joppa. How did the people in Joppa hear what went down in Lida? How? those who turned to the Lord and Lita started to share with those who were near to them, and they started to share with those who were near to them. They started to share with those who were near to them until it finally waited all the way down to Sharon, all the way into Joppa. What was happening was believers in Lita believed so much so in Christ that they started to share it to their neighbors. And it spread, and it spread. The believers in Lita spread the word to Joppa, and the people in Joppa believed. They believed so much so that when they caught wind that Peter was there, go get him. Because if the power of Christ could heal that disease, perhaps that Jesus, maybe he could heal. You see what's happening? That is huge. And I love because it does imply that these who are turning to the Lord Jesus really believe. And you know what's evidence of that faith? They're sharing it. Those of us who believe, do those nearby hear of Christ? Do they hear it from us? Do they hear it from us? 
What happens if what happened in Jerusalem stayed in Jerusalem? What happens what happened if what happened on Calvary just stayed in that little town? Then the ends of the earth would be doomed. Those of us in Hawaii, no hope. Praise God that's not his plan, and praise God that's not what he decreed. He said in Matthew 28, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Teach them everything that I've told. Tell them. Tell them of who I am and what I've done. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will be my witnesses. The Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Where else? Judea, Samaria, where else? Ends of the earth. I love seeing the word of God spread through the land from Lida to Sharon to Joppa. And it's being carried by the saints. Romans 10, 17, remember this. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Tabitha's household was blessed because they believed in what they heard and they responded. Lord, help us. Please, Lord, help us. Are those nearby hearing it? And are they hearing it from us? Let's keep reading. Verse 39, so Peter rose and went. Gabe pointed this out. He just, boom, responded right away. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room and all the widows, look at this picture, all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing the tunics and the garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. What a heavy moment, right? Just revealing to us a bit more how, how much of a beautiful, imperishable beauty this woman had. Loving the community so much so. And verse 40, but Peter put them all outside. Who I love this. And he knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, she said, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up like a, kind of like an escort, just in calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Here is Tabitha, the graceful doe, breathing. I want to highlight this. We talked about the other stuff enough, but notice what Peter does this time. Put them all outside. Put your cameras away. He's not trying to get a following. Show how powerful he is because he knows he's not powerful. Can you imagine him getting asked, hey, can you come to town, please? We need your help. He gets there. Boom, a dead body. Puts him outside. And he rightfully so falls to his knees. Why? Because Peter knows. He knows. He ain't the man. What am I going to do with this? I can't do anything. So who do you call? The Lord Jesus Christ. I love, oh man, Peter is such a great example of what it means to truly intercede. You know what's in the balance right now? A dead life. When we pray, I'm not wanting to get all technical of asking you whether you get on your knees or not, but I do think Peter getting on his knees reveals to us the true posture of his heart. He's begging right now because he's got nothing in and of himself to do anything about this. 
It reveals. The posture Peter's taking reveals his perception of who Christ is, who he is, and the circumstance. When we intercede for people, Christians, who are spiritually dead, do you realize what it takes to have a dead person come to life? And do you believe that Christ alone has the power over that death, that he can breathe on anyone and regenerate even a Saul to be Paul? This is intercession at its finest, I believe. He knelt down, he prayed his knees off, and he's interceding in prayer. He recognizes in prayer that it is the power of God to save, to heal, to raise the dead to life. Do we see that? Do you see that, Christian? Brother, sister, do we see that? Oh, if we saw it, what our church prayer meetings would be like. What our closets would be like. The floor would be drenched with tears. Our knees would be bruised because we know Christ alone can do this. And so we pray. We say so quickly, yeah, I believe Jesus can raise the dead to life. Yeah. Then why do we pray the way we pray and so little? Why are we so slow to the place of prayer when it comes to ministering to our lost family members and our friends and our coworkers that we interact with day in, day out who are blind? They're paralyzed. They're dead. Our prayers reveal our perception of Christ. It really does. Just like how I said earlier, when I ask someone of something, it reveals how I view that person. If I have a math problem and I ask Dilly for help, it reveals that I think she's good at math. So when you are doing Christian ministry, you're trying to evangelize, you're trying to even disciple someone, I got a big question is, do you pray your knees off for that person? It will show. It will show. This is why intercession for the lost souls is so massive. Because if you really do it, if you give your life to it, you know what it's proving and showing? That you truly believe in the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You really believe it. You believe it. And so you pray. Look all through the book of Acts, how this church, how these believers, they gathered and prayed. Chapter 2, they prayed. Chapter 4, they prayed. They prayed. The apostles, in their own personal, they're praying. What's the point of this miracle? What's the point of all the miracles similar to this? What's the point of Lazarus? Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, and only he can raise the dead to life. That's why Peter's praying to him. Peter's praying to the only one who has the power to do something. John eleven twenty five. whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Oh, God, give us grace. Give us eyes to truly believe this. Verse 42 and it became known through all Joppa. Many believed in the Lord. This is the same thing that's happening, just like how it happened earlier at Aeneas, in Lida. 
it became known, many believed, true Christian ministry, that's what Peter is doing, true Christian ministry results in people turning to the Lord, not to man. Notice, not many turn to Peter. You can heal this, you can, you can do this, you do No, not many, many turn to the Lord. It's a repeat-worthy point. I mentioned this last week already. But the result of true Christian ministry is people turning to Christ, giving all the glory to God, not to man, not to Peter, not the hipness of the church or the personalities of its members. It's all turning to the Lord. If you're here this evening and you've been ministered to by brothers and sisters or this church, I hope and pray, we hope and pray that you have truly turned to the Lord because he alone can heal. He alone can solve the sin problem, and he alone, when we die, if in Christ we shall rise. Are you ready for that day? Are you? Are we? Examine yourself. Examine ourselves. Death comes to us all. It's not a respecter of man. Oh, what great assurance for the Christian to know that when we die, yet shall we rise. Are we ready? Do you just say you're a Christian, yet your life shows no fruit of repentance? You still love your sin. You're still doing whatever it is you're doing in secret. Repent and f- repentance and faith, they go hand in hand. To say you believe in Christ shows a life of repentance. Just examine ourselves, Lord, please. Please, Lord, in Nu'uanu Baptist, please, let there be people tr- truly turning to the Lord Jesus. We'll finish the text. So in verse 43, he stayed in Joppa. Isaiah brought this up earlier. For many days with one Simon, a tanner. That was kind of funny that his name is Simon, because so is Peter's, right? Maybe that's how they even connect, huh? Oh, your name's Simon, bro, me too. Oh, but you know, I'm Simon, but you can call me Peter. He's like, oh, well, I'm Simon, you can call me a tanner. You know, like, I don't know, I don't know. You want to stay at my house? Sure, bro. That's it. You know, I don't know, like, I don't know how they even connect, right? These little verses, though, they might seem insignificant or random. They're not, they're not, they're not. All scriptures breathed out by God. There's very much a lot of significance in this where, like we mentioned earlier, tanners, not the kind going to the beach, but tanners, they handle dead animal skins to make leather. Jews deem them as unclean. Peter is staying with someone who, according to, to Judaism, is unclean. The Lord is moving Peter step by step. This is setting the stage for the next chapter, all right? He's moving Peter step by step against Jewish legalism to Christian freedom and grace. He's, tr- he's, he's starting to do this. So Because when we get to chapter 10, we're going to see there's going to be a vision. And in the vision, he, don't call what is unclean common, Peter. Oh, Lord, I would never. No, Peter. And so we'll get, when we get to chapter 10, we're going to start getting into that. But, man, I love this gospel. <laughs> it changes everything couple questions before we close 
first. When you die, will you rise? Do you have confidence in Christ in that? The reason why Christ can raise the dead and, is, and he can forgive the sinner and raise him up to life and, and he's justified in doing that is because he was sinless and perfect. And when he died and rose, he conquered sin and death. He can forgive and raise the dead to life. Have you truly repented of your sin and trusted in him and his righteousness for that? Because if that is in fact your faith, not just a mere confession, profession, but really what you believe, and you've turned to the Lord, you and I, we might get sick this week. We have plenty of brothers and sisters getting sick this week. We're texting each other, praying for you, praying for you, you know. But it's just a reminder of we know, like, dude, we're so human. We're going to die sooner or later. But the Lord Jesus has the power over disease. And whether he heals us in this life or at the resurrection, he will heal you if you're in Christ. We, as Christians, can stare death in the face and have no fear. That's an amazing thing. Oh, do you have that, brother, sister? And then how is our intercessory prayer for the spiritually dead? Maybe you've never prayed on your knees before. I don't know what the Lord is working in your heart. Maybe, maybe it'll help put your heart into the right, proper posture. Oh, pray your knees off to the only one who can do something. There are people in my life right now I'm wanting to intercede for in my community, in my midst, and I will confess that there are times I lack the faith. I don't pray for them fervently. I don't pray my knees off for them. And I have to constantly ask the Lord, grant me faith, remind me. I just go in there and try to minister on my own power and ability. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? Get out of there. Christ alone can heal them, save them, raise them. So before I go and engage, I got to make sure I got to go and pray. Oh, pray for your family members like this. Pray for your friends. Pray for our church. One way that we can, you know, I'm glad that Tani pointed out this in announcement that, yeah, in June we're going to try and rekindle our church prayer meeting, you know, but there's a, you know, like, set yourself up to, you know, we don't accidentally pray. Just remember this Peter who's on his knees praying is the same Peter that was in the garden that fell asleep, right? At Gethsemane. Oh, could you just pray, pray with me, please, for a little bit? And, yeah, we got you, Jesus, Right? And Jesus goes, you couldn't even pray for one hour? Oh, man. This is something we're all trying to learn, grow in together. Intercessory prayer. But we'll pause it there for the evening. Um, And as the Spirit led, we pray over our notes, the questions, the thoughts, the people that came to mind. We are going to pray right now for a little bit. I'll leave some silence and for you to just kind of Gather yourself, and, and I would really want to encourage you, if there is certain things that are very pressing on your heart, whether it has to do with you and your faith in Christ, if you've truly turned to him or not, or maybe your lack of love and good works and charity for the community, or your lack of intercession right now, as the Holy Spirit leads us, go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn to him. I'll give us some silence, and then I'll close us in prayer. Lord Jesus Lead us in this time of prayer. Help us to come to you, for you alone have the power. 
to raise the dead to life. As the Spirit leads, go to the Lord in prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, enjoy the rest of the evening together. We'll have dinner in just a little bit. Love you guys.